Hi there, it's Matt here, and welcome back to the podcast and this next instalment in the mini-series all about insomnia. Today and in the next episode, and the next episode will be the final episode in this series, we're going to discuss the primary approach that is currently taken to addressing insomnia. And that is a non-drug approach that we call cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or CBTI for short. But before speaking about the treatment that is effective for insomnia, which is CBTI, I think it's worth mentioning the things that are not effective, the things that do not work for patients with insomnia. Many of these things, these things that don't work, are very understandable aspects that people will turn to when they start trying to self-medicate their insomnia. And sadly, they are only making matters worse for themselves. The most commonly used sleep aid, and I'm using, I'm sort of, uh, you can't see me, but I'm doing my inverted commas in terms of fingers, sleep aid is alcohol, and it is anything but a sleep aid. And many patients with insomnia will have two or three nightcaps in the evening before bed to try to help them fall asleep. But as we've mentioned in previous episodes, alcohol will hurt your sleep in at least three different ways. First, we know that alcohol is a sedative, and sedation is not natural sleep. So what happens with people with insomnia as they're having a couple of drinks in the evening because they know they quote-unquote need it to fall asleep, it's not that they're falling asleep faster. What they're doing is just knocking out their cortex and sedating their brain and losing consciousness more quickly. That's not naturalistic sleep. The second aspect of alcohol is that it's going to fragment your sleep. So insomnia patients already have problems with waking up in the middle of the night and not being able to fall back asleep. And alcohol will only increase the frequency of those awakenings. It makes your sleep much more fragile. And therefore, it's going to be even harder for you to fall back asleep and even more likely that you're going to be waking up. The final aspect of alcohol is that it will block your REM sleep, decrease the amount of rapid eye movement or dream sleep. And as we've spoken about in many podcasts, dream sleep is critical for many things, not just your emotional and your mental health, but also critical downstairs in the body for regulating all sorts of systems, including your hormone systems. You know, we've mentioned before that peak levels of testosterone are released both in men and in women during REM sleep. So you need that critical REM sleep and you will lose that REM sleep or you will lose some of that REM sleep by giving yourself alcohol in the evening. Another thing that many people will use with insomnia is THC and that's the psychoactive component of cannabis. So they'll smoke weed before going to bed to see if they can help with their sleep. Now, just to note, by the way, I will be doing an entire series on CBD and THC. Lots of you have asked me that question. I get asked that question a great deal, and I want to go into detail. 
But I'll just give you the headline here, which is that suffice to say, THC is not advised for sleep problems. Now, there is some evidence that people will lose consciousness more quickly. In other words, quote unquote, fall asleep more quickly after they've smoked weed. But the issue here is firstly dependency, that people develop a dependency on quote unquote, needing that THC in order for them to be able to fall asleep. And then next, you can start to build up a tolerance. So now you need more of it to get the same sleep effect. And then comes the problem. If you stop using it, there is a terrible withdrawal syndrome regarding sleep, which causes even worse insomnia as a result. And then people relapse, they go back to using it. The other aspect of THC, and it does this by way of a different route, mechanistically relative to alcohol, is that THC will block your REM sleep. And this explains why many people, and I've heard this so, so many times, when they start using THC, when they're smoking weed in the evenings, they'll say, gosh, you know, I feel as though I've, I've been dreaming less. I don't remember many of my dreams or I just don't seem to be dreaming. This is because of the REM sleep blockade effect of THC. And then when they stop, they will have this REM sleep rebound and they'll tell you, my goodness, I stopped smoking. And all of a sudden I was having all of these vivid dreams. It's the brain trying to get back the debt that it suffered in terms of its REM sleep. A sponsor of today's podcast is Element, uh, and that's spelled L-M-N-T. Now, Element is a sugar-free electrolyte drink mix. And for me, it was the sugar-free part that made me start using it really quite a while back now when I think about it. And here again, I buy my own supply just to stay objective with anything that I describe in the podcast. Beyond having all of the electrolytes that you need and in the right balance, which is critical, the other reason I've been a big fan of Element is that it's a scientific product. If you look at the people who created the company, you will find some pretty heavy-hitting physiology and biochemistry and pharmacology knowledge that's all baked into the product. It's not easy to make something that's free of nonsense ingredients these days and is optimized in terms of a formulation and that comes without any sugar. It's non-trivial, but they do it and they do it very well indeed. So if you're a bit of an exercise fanatic like me and you've been looking for a scientific and a clean electrolyte, then head on over to lmnt.com forward slash Matt Walker and you will get a discount off your purchase. So that's lmnt, element, lmnt.com forward slash Matt Walker. Another ineffective tool when it comes to insomnia, by the way, is melatonin. Now, we've spoken about melatonin in great depth in a previous episode all about melatonin. And the headlines here is that melatonin is not effective in people with insomnia. In fact, in general, it's not really a very effective sleep aid at all melatonin will only increase the speed with which you fall asleep by just a few minutes, which is really not significant relative to placebo. 
and it will also only increase the efficiency of your sleep by just a few percent, just 2.2%. So melatonin is not the answer when it comes to insomnia. Of course, we need to mention classic sleeping pills. These are prescription sleeping pills that I'm sure you can all name, and I'm not going to name any names here. And I mentioned those in the previous episode and noted some of their issues and limitations. And here again, I want to tread very carefully. First, as I mentioned, I'm not an MD, I'm not a clinician. So none of this is medical advice or suggested medical advice. What I will note, however, is that when it comes to sleeping pills, there are two statements that I think are worth keeping in mind from two of the most well-respected medical boards. The first is from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine and their guideline document regarding sleeping pills. And what they've stated is that when it comes to those classic sleeping pills, based on the weight of the data and the safety concerns, there was not overwhelming nor even especially strong evidence to suggest that those drugs should be used, at least used long term in the treatment of insomnia. The second comes from the American College of Physicians and their board of medical specialists considered all of the different addiction risks and the side effects and the safety risks associated with common sleeping pills. And in their review that was published in 2016, they made a landmark recommendation. They said that sleeping pills should not be the first-line treatment for insomnia. Instead, that treatment should be cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, or CBTI, the main topic of this and the next episode. So let's get into it. What is CBTI? And again, keeping in mind, I'll promise I'll say this one last time, keeping in mind, I am not a medical doctor, I'm not a trained clinician, but with that disclaimer clear, CBTI involves you working with a trained clinician for several weeks. And you can also do this online now. There are lots of great tools out there. One of them that uh, I'm involved in is a company called Shuni, but there are others out there. Sleepio, for example, Shuni, that's S-H-U-N-I dot I-O if you want to check it out. But again, full disclaimer, because I'm associated with that company, there are many others. And also you can work with a clinician online, as I said, through Zoom or other mechanisms like that. That is increasingly more available. But the high-level overall goal of CBTI is the following. It's to change your habits, change your behaviors, and also change your mental beliefs and therefore your stress around this thing called sleep. Because what I hear from many people with insomnia is the fact that, look, I have lost all confidence in my sleep. And I have all of these terrible anxieties around not sleeping and what's going to happen when I'm not sleeping. In other words, my sleep controls me. And CBTI is designed to reverse that so that now you control your sleep. And what's great is that CBTI in clinical study after clinical study has been proven to be just as effective as sleeping pills in the short term. Yet CBTI has no negative side effects 
And in addition, once you stop working with your therapist, those sleep benefits can last for many years later, which is perhaps unlike sleeping pills, which unfortunately, when people stop them, they typically go back to having the bad sleep that they were having before, or even worse, they have, again, a rebound insomnia. So let me double click on the name a little bit more, because when you think about the name, it gives away the core aspects, cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. And CBTI is going to target two different things about you, cognitive things and behavioral things, hence the cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. So the first are cognitive issues concerning your insomnia. In plain language or in plain speak, it means things that are going on in your mind, your beliefs regarding sleep, and specifically beliefs that are currently either blocking your sleep or hurting your sleep, doing a disservice in general to your sleep. And what's critical here is that many of them may not be obvious to you. And CBTI and your clinician will identify these things and then help you either update them, change them, or entirely flat out expunge these things from your belief system. So all of this sounds very abstract. It doesn't sound very concrete. Let me give you a concrete example. An example would be you thinking that if you are not falling asleep within five or 10 minutes, that you're abnormal. And that if that doesn't happen, you are guaranteed a bad night of sleep. And this will then set off this belief, this sort of wedded idea in your mind will set off a chain reaction. And that chain reaction leads you to start thinking in anxious ways. And then that triggers a negative spiral. You start to catastrophize about your night of sleep even before it started. And that only makes matters worse. And the more stressed you become, the more it triggers you awake and the further it pushes sleep away from you. The podcast today is supported by Masterclass. Masterclass is the online streaming platform where anyone can learn from the world's best and you can learn on topics such as cooking and business and art, entertainment, writing, sports. Uh, what else is that? I think there's science, there's health, of course, and there's technology. So when you sign up, you get access to all of the masterclasses. And when I talk about masters, we're talking about people such as Martin Scorsese, Venus Williams, Gordon Ramsay, Steph Curry, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Timberland, Ron Howard, um, oh, there's also Bill Clinton. And these are naming just a few of the ones that are my favorites, at least. <laughs> you may even find a masterclass from a familiar sleep scientist on there. So if you're curious, and I mean that innately, that you have a thirst for learning like me, then head on over to masterclass.com forward slash Matt Walker. And that's masterclass, all one word, masterclass.com forward slash Matt Walker. And you will get a discount when you sign up as well. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So that's one idea that you can update that belief. That's not actually reality, not even close to reality. 
So that's an example of one of many different aspects of the cognitive side of behavioral therapy. The second half of it is the behavioral equation, the behavioral issues that are feeding your insomnia. In other words, in plain speak language to sort of deconstruct it, these are things that you're doing. In other words, behaviors. And those things are those that you are doing that are hurting your sleep and that you need to stop doing. And then the second aspect is that there are things that you are currently not doing that if you started doing them would actually improve your sleep. So in other words, CBTI will identify things that you need to stop doing them and then identify the things that you're not doing that you should be doing more of that you need to start doing. So again, that all sounds very abstract. I know, give me a proper example. Well, a good example is, let's say you react to the situation where several nights in a row, you've only had maybe five or five and a half hours of restless bad sleep. And very naturally and very understandably, you enact a behavior and it's the wrong response. That behavior is that you start staying in bed for longer and longer periods of time because, again, very naturally what you're trying to do is think that you can make up for that bad sleep, for that insufficient sleep, by lying there in bed for longer periods of time. And as we'll learn in the next episode, not only does this fail to work, but it's one of the very worst things that you can do. Since just lying there in bed for longer periods of time awake only reinforces this idea that this thing called my bed is the place where I spend a lot of time awake, where I spend a lot of time frustrated that I can't sleep. And you then start to learn that habit, that association because of your incorrect behavior, that this thing called your bedroom is the place to trigger anxiety. It's the place where you don't have confidence. It's the place where you're not going to be sleeping. It's the place where I'm always awake. And that behavior then reinforces that bad belief, which starts the spiral. Okay, I think I'm going to stop there. That is plenty of information for one episode to try and digest. I'm sorry if I'm just barking all of this at you. I do get quite passionate about this uh, this thing called sleep. Now, don't worry, in the next episode, we're going to do an even more fine-grained resolution deconstruction of the individual elements of these two broad brushstrokes, the cognitive aspects and the behavioral aspects. But taking a step back, what we've learned today is that when sleep becomes difficult, many people Again, so understandable. I've got such compassion for this, you know, because I've struggled with sleep myself. I've been there, I promise you. Many people will start to first try to self-medicate their insomnia and they'll use the wrong things. They'll use alcohol or THC or melatonin, all things that are going to hurt your sleep or just be ineffective. 
The other issue is that many people have become addicted to the long-term use of sleeping pills, which, as I mentioned before, medical doctors and specialist committees, they don't recommend or advocate that. There is a time and a place for the short-term use of those sleeping pills. Please don't think that I'm um, not suggesting that, but their long-term use, which is unfortunately what many people transition to, is not advised by the medical community. And finally, what we then learned is that there is hope that there is an effective, safe, non-drug approach to treating insomnia called CBTI. And CBTI, based on its name, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, will target both the cognitive aspects of the condition, things that you think, your beliefs, and also the behavioral aspects, the things that you're doing that you should stop doing, and the things that you are perhaps not doing that you need to do more of. And with that, I will bid you my farewell. I will thank you so, so much again for listening to the show. Many people have been so kind. You've left really nice reviews. I'm not asking for you to go and review it. If you're motivated, you'll do it. Nothing that I say. I don't know why people say, you know, please go and give me a five-star rating or something like that. I don't think that motivates anyone, does it? If you're compelled, that would be so lovely. And if you'd like to give me feedback, um, either positive or <laughs> or negative, that's where the motivation comes. When people want to say something negative, they are very motivated. But that's fine too. I'm very open to feedback and constructive criticism uh, or even non-constructive criticism. Please visit me on Instagram. I'm there at Dr. Matt Walker. That's D-R-M-A-T-T-W-A-L-K-E-R. I do read all of the comments and I take a lot from them. So please see me there. But for now, I will say take care and I will see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Hold up. 